Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Don't Watch This Film, the podcast where we watch... Fuck, I can't even. This is just one of the worst movies in history. Don't watch this movie. I'm, we're just... This is it. This is how we're starting. This is... Fuck this film. Take a drink. His name is W. Adam Clark. My name My is name... Fuck This Film. My name is Fuck This Film. You are two drinks behind. Catch the fuck up. My name is T. And I was actually thinking that that intro was way too peppy and happy for the shit that we just had to sit oh, through. Oh, god damn it. Fuck this film. Take a drink. Uh, spoiler alert. Please don't follow the fuck this film drinking game during this episode or you will be fucking hospital. Oh, it's, it's, huh, we're talking about a thing that calls itself a movie called The Video Dead. Uh, it was a direct-to-video release in, I think it was 1987. I didn't even write mm-hmm. down the year. In 1987, and it's it's just fucking terrible. Tia, give us a synopsis. <laughs> so, what film possibly broke my poor co-host this bad I, no one but tia can see this at the moment so she'll have to take her word for it i'm literally sitting here with my head in my hand on the fucking desk my notes are nearby in case i need to check them for anything but just fuck this movie just entirely fuck this movie. i have now seen it twice in one lifetime and i'm telling you that six more times than anyone should watch this movie I promise to keep my composure through the synopsis. Beyond that, I can't I promise fuck this movie. <laughs> oh, what the hell broke my poor co-host this much? So, <clears throat> the cinema committed to film thing that calls itself a movie titled The Video Dead begins with a TV being delivered to a writer's house. The TV ends up showing something called Zombie Blood Nightmare. It's a black and white film. Wait, appears where to be did the that o- movie. The, how does the Wikipedia have fucking information that wasn't in the movie? It never said the title of the movie on the screen. Yes, it does. It does. It's very brief, but at the very beginning, yes. God damn it! All right, well, I missed that. Um, I apparently I didn't pay enough attention to this wonderful piece of cinema. I am sorry. Please continue. Turning itself on and off again, eventually it falls by itself onto the floor, and the zombies in the movie Zombie Blood Nightmare start coming out, manifesting in the real world and killing the writer. According to the wiki, because there's no passage of time shown in film, three months later, the house is sold, cleaned up, and the TV has been moved up to the attic. Now, can I put in the rant of how does the wiki know something that doesn't even appear in the movie? Sure. Okay. How does the movie know something? How does the wiki know something that doesn't even appear in the movie? There is no discussion of time. How do they know how much time has passed? Fuck this movie. Please continue. I'm telling you, just don't do the drinking game. I I am warning you for your health. I care about your well-being and your livers. If you You cared about the, if you cared about my well-being as much as you cared about their well-being, we wouldn't have had to watch this fucking movie a second time. It was my first time. It was Adam's second time. <clears throat> Two teenagers named Zoe and Jeff arrive ahead of their parents to clean and set up the house as their parents are currently out of the country and are going to be returning soon. 
Jeff meets a dog walker of the neighborhood named Alice, whose dog escapes the house and is killed by one of the zombies who have taken to living in the woods for the last 90 days, apparently. Without causing any attention to themselves for 90 days or killing anybody for 90 days, they've just been hanging out a block away from the house in the fucking woods for 90 days. Fuck this movie. <laughs> a man called Joshua Daniels from Texas comes by looking for the TV set, but Jeff turns Joshua away. Jeff finds the TV after it's been calling him from the attic and sets it up in Jeff's room, getting propositioned by a zombie woman from inside the TV set. To and be fair, she doesn't look like a zombie. He would probably turn down a zombie. She instead looks like a 70s punk queen because she, in fact, is a 70s punk queen. It's but looks really old and they did horrible makeup. And I'm sorry, please continue. Fuck this movie. <laughs> It is one of the highlights. She is very pretty. She's just not as pretty as she could potentially be. But granted, considering this film's budget and the end product and the beginning product and the products all in between, they didn't have a lot to spare. <clears throat> a man inside of the TV called the Garbage Man ends up killing her and speaks to Jeff telling Jeff to take the TV to the basement and tape a mirror to its surface. Apparently, that ends up keeping the zombies from coming out, even though they're already out. But we, we, you know, <laughs> you currently cannot see it. But poor Adam is just holding his head in his hands while I'm giving the synopsis. And I'm going to be pausing at specific points because there are very specific rants that I know he would like to go on. And far be it from me to just remove. Just, just, just keep going. We're fine. <laughs> We're fine. The next day. <laughs> The next day, April's, the dog walker's house, is broken into, and zombies kill April's dad and their maid he's been having an affair with. Joshua, the guy from Texas, comes back and tells Zoe and Jeff how the zombies think and how they can be dealt with. After the night passage, <coughs> excuse me, after the night passes, Joshua and Jeff gear up to go hunt the zombies down and look for April, who had been taken from the house the night before by a zombie. Only taken away, not killed outright, so they assume she's still alive at this point. Hunting in the woods near the house, Joshua and Jeff set up a trap for the zombies to come and shoot them and cut them in half. Joshua finds April's dead body in the shack, which is where they were apparently going in the woods, even though that's kind of shoehorned in at the last minute, but I, it is not my place to question. Why would I question the masterful, cohesive, and completely continuous strain of plot that this movie possesses? Why would I ask questions about that? Why would I ask questions about that, Adam? Fuck this movie. <laughs> <clears throat> So he uses Jeff as bait to lure the zombies to the shack, which Joshua shoots, except for letting the bride zombie get away because he just wanted to chase her off and not kill her, I guess. Joshua and Jeff go after her, which results in the bride zombie stabbing Joshua through the chest with the arrow he shot her with. Joshua literally shot her with an arrow. She pulled the arrow out and stabs him through the chest with it because they're coherent and sentient enough to do that, I suppose? Well, I mean, zombies seem <clears throat> semi-sentient in this pretty much from the start. Like, they're trying to mimic, trying to ape normal human behaviors that they had when they were alive. So 
you can kind of excuse that they are sentient. They're just also dead. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, fair enough. Don't make me defend this movie. Uh, oh, don't worry. There'll, there'll be plenty of times ahead that you won't have to. Promise. Huh. After Joshua is stabbed through the chest, Jeff runs off and eventually circles around and leads the bride zombie, who has the chainsaw now, back to the shack where he discovers April's dead body after a bit of a struggle, which results in Jeff using a machete to cut the bride zombie's head off. She ends up running Jeff through with a chainsaw, killing him. <clears throat> through some type of zombie psychic connection that isn't explained, but fuck it. The zombies wake up from their coma naps and converge back on the house with the TV in it. Zoe, who is still there, was given clear instructions to wait until 10 minutes before sundown. And if Joshua and Jeff didn't return to take Joshua's truck and get out of town. Instead of this, because that would make sense, Zoe remembers an exchange between Joshua and Jeff about showing no fear and instead manages to lure the zombies into the house, cooking for them, I, I say that in air quotes, and being hospitable instead of afraid, which makes them more docile and not bloodthirsty, I guess. If your movie <clears throat> has a callback to a can of baked beans, your movie probably sucks. Zoe remembers Joshua, remember that's Texas guy, saying something about locking the zombies into a room and without food, the zombies will start eating each other. Luring the zombies down to the basement, Zoe locks them in and they manage to eat themselves back inside of the cursed TV set. Don't ask questions audience just just don't you're not going to get answers it was dumb it looked dumb it felt dumb it's we're dumb. dumber from having watched it 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 makes no sense it doesn't work just 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 go with it so the movie can end Having been committed to a mental institution after all of this, Zoe's parents visit the room she's in in the ward and bring the TV from the house as a gift. The movie closes with the same shot of zombie blood nightmare and the lead zombie, again, reusing the same film footage, turning to look at Zoe, presumably to crawl out of the TV. The film cuts to black as Zoe starts screaming. That is the video dead. All right. So, if you're going to take movies where horrors crawl out of TVs, you've got the Ringle or the Ring series at the top of the list. You've got Demons 2 somewhere short of that. You've got every other movie and a TV episode where it's ever fucking happened. And then you have this piece of shit. <laughs> right. And there is a very massive gap between this and that last one. Alright, some numbers. <laughs> the movie is rated R for fuck this film. Genre is horror, comma, fuck this film. The director, writer, man who needed to be stabbed through the heart with a Buick <laughs> named Robert Scott. The movie is produced by Manson International, which I can only assume is somehow related to the serial killer because I feel like this movie murdered brain cells. There is no theatrical release date because no theater was dumb enough to ever show this fucking film. 
it was in fact released directly to video because that was the only way anyone was ever going to yeah, fucking the see. The only way anybody <laughs> would ever go see this movie is accidentally and not knowing what it was. So direct to video was a good call. The budget was $80,000 of which I think 60 grand had to be spent on Coke, um, which may in fact have been the only explanation for why Jennifer Miro was involved. And then 20 grand was spent on film stock and pizza. The runtime is don't fucking watch this film. Um, I think an hour and 31 minutes. I literally didn't even write it down. Rotten Tomatoes has a critical score of zero because no film critic worth their fucking time would spend an hour and fucking whatever watching this fucking film. It has an audience score of 32% on over 500 reviews. So I want to explain how Rotten Tomatoes works because sometimes people don't understand how Rotten Tomatoes works. So we're going to clear this up for, you know, DC slash MCU fans who keep thinking that, you know, Rotten Tomatoes is biased and bought and doing weird things with their reviews. Okay. So I need to explain it so that you guys know why I'm going to bitch. The way Rotten Tomatoes works is it's a binary review system. They collate reviews from critics and from quote-unquote audience members, which is just people in the public who review a movie on that site after they have watched it. Or if you're a douche nozzle three weeks before it comes out to try to review bomb it. But that's another rant. It's a binary system. It gets a one, it gets a, a 100% if you score it above the median in whatever scoring system you use. This means if you use a five-star system, any movie that scores a three-star or higher, or anything above two and a half stars. If you use a two, a four-star system, any movie that scores a three or higher. If you use a C, C plus, C minus system, any movie that scores a C plus. Okay. If you use our system... Probably any movie that scores a one out of five because that's the top half of the grades. So if you, if you give the movie a top half score, it gets a 100%. If you give it a bottom half score, it gets a 0%. And then all of those get averaged together to come out with what the score is. This means that for this fucking movie to score a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes, on 500 plus reviews, one third, just short of one third of those 500 plus reviews gave this movie a positive review rather than a negative review. Assuming it's only 500 plus and just barely over 500 because they stopped tracking at 500 plus. Mm. Hmm. That means that like 165 of you motherfuckers <laughs> gave this movie a positive review. And I want you to know, in the words of Mark Twain, I want you drug out into the street and shot. IMDB gives it a 5.1, which I mean is kind of worse because it's a higher score, but because you can give it scores of 1 through 10, a 5.1 means, like, if 
eight people give it a two and one person because they want to watch the world burn gives it a 10 like it bumps the average up so it's it, it's almost more excusable but an a rotten tomato score of 32 percent i mean one third of you people think this was a movie worth watching and you're wrong you're bad and you should feel bad. You feel bad. <laughs> if you managed to review this movie on Rotten Tomatoes and gave it a positive score, please email us and let us know where I should send the letter bomb. <laughs> this movie stars Michael St. Michaels. St. Michaels, St. Michaels, St. Michaels. As Henry Jordan, who's boring writer dude in the beginning. Best known for Ninja Academy in 1989, The Greasy Strangler in 2016, and as the lipstick killer in 2018's Extremity, which is where I recognized him from. He has like eight minutes of fucking screen time. Yep. And he's top build? No, just, well, actually, yes, but yeah. Holy shit. Okay. All right. Moving well, on. <laughs> Roxana Augustin as Zoe Blair, who starred in fucking nothing <laughs> after this movie. Although to her credit, it's because she went on to get a PhD in law and is still a practicing lawyer in California. So good on her. Rocky Duvall stars as Jeff Blair, who did fucking nothing after this movie. And while I was not able to find definitive information, I'm willing to bet does not have a PhD in law. <laughs> Sam David McKellen stars as Joshua Daniels, who has a total of four episode, four TV episode film credits after this, meaning that he is arguably, mathematically, I think, twice the actor that I am. And that's not saying much. <laughs> and Victoria Bastel as April who was in The Deadpool in 1988, Bad Lieutenant in 1992, and Romeo is Bleeding in 1993. The Deadpool, not to be confused with Deadpool. Right. The Deadpool, which is a Clint Eastwood movie. It's a Dirty <laughs> Harry film. Damn. Yeah. Like, it was a thing. Uh, arguably, the biggest draw, the biggest get in this movie is Jennifer Miro of the fucking nuns the punk goddess that she is, who also starred in Red Italy in 1979, Dr. Kilgari in, doc in 1989, and Jungle Assault, a David A. Pryor joint, in 1989 as well. So somehow, this came out, she did this project somewhere in between fucking Red Italy and Dr. Caligari. I, again, I don't know how they scored that person in this movie, it has to be half the reason why the budget was 80K. It's the only excuse. All right. So, Tia, what went wrong with this movie? Answer, they filmed the fucking thing. Next question. Oh, God. So, as is the case with most of our really, really bad ones, it's probably easier to answer what went right with this film. Nothing! Nothing went right. The whole thing is bad. Fuck this movie. Next question. <clears throat> I'm back to putting my head in my hands. That's it. Oh, God. In what little possible defense I can muster don't for this? Don't you fucking dare. Don't, don't even. There were some ideas and concepts that were not god-awful. Okay, fair. 
I'm trying to think of an example at the moment. No. Um, okay, so, for example, they explain during the film that these undead creatures almost have forgotten that they're dead in a way. They have, they, they don't like to look at themselves. They can't stand mirrors. Several times in the movie, we see them reacting poorly to mirrors. One of the ways they try to deter them from getting into the house is to put mirrors on the main doors. That idea in and of itself is not god-awful. Okay. There is, ladies and gentlemen, eaters and eaters of the audience, there is a indie flick, like, darling of cinema concept that is fucking butchered in the making of this movie. In the height of the broadcast wars between ABC, NBC, and CBS, you have a movie about TVs coming alive. They're broadcasting, killing people for the sake of maintaining the broadcasting. And the beautiful chef's kiss social commentary that you could that you could circle around with the idea of people who are self-delusional enough to not realize the state of their existence and become violently murderously enraged when you inform them of the state of their existence like there's a ton of beautiful social shit you could do with this premise this is an all-star film just waiting to blossom into a beautiful flower <laughs> and instead we get this thing which uses none of that None of it. Not at all. We have a TV that's cursed. Don't know where it came from. Don't know how it's cursed. It's got some shit on top of the TV that looks kind of cool, but you never actually get a chance to see it because they never show you the top of the TV. And it works when it's plugged in, and it works when it's not plugged in, and it flips around to whatever channels at once, and it shows two different shows. One of them is a zombie flick, and one of them is a Skinamax movie starring Jennifer Miro. Fuck, why can't we have that film? I mean... <laughs> like, they, there is a great movie that was butchered to give us this shit. The biggest, biggest flaw of this movie's creation is that they had an opportunity to make an all-time great film with the premise of this film and pissed it away, not even seeing it was there, probably, by creating this fucking thing instead. Potential for a decent movie, number one. I'm saying number one because that's actually not the only one that we see. So there was someone somewhere at some point who was fucking competent. The competency is buried. We don't see that much of it. We don't see any of it for much of the film. Potential decent idea number two. When they're stringing Jeff up as zombie bait, literally have him in the middle of the forest dangling from... I think rope and a harness just out there basically to attract the zombies. They have little tiny bells on red thread 
that jingle when the zombies are coming, but not when they're there. It's kind of almost like a sensing evil in the wind type type trope, if you will. Yeah, there's a film I watched. I am going to butcher this. It's a Korean horror movie. I believe it was called the Gonjiam Asylum. Streamers get together to investigate a haunted asylum on stream, mostly playing up the haunted stuff for views until they realize the asylum is actually haunted. Why couldn't we watch uh, that a, movie? Why don't we watch this movie? Why couldn't we watch that movie? We will. It's on the list. But okay. they play with either bells or rustling uh, tickets in the wind. And they play up the idea that evil or evil spirits or ghosts or something are present when those start going off. When they start rustling, when the candles start flickering, and when the bells start chiming. Again, not an awful concept. The whole evil can be detected with sound. That's actually a half-decent idea for a damn horror movie, like a psychological thriller movie. It's not used to any effect other than, oh, the bells are ringing in the very next shot. Uh, we see the zombies stumbling over to ineffectively try to claw the bait down from the harness. Like, you can almost make the argument that they use it to build tension to let you know that the zombies are coming. But they do it once and they do it for one scene and they do it when you know the zombies are going to be coming because they set up fucking bait. God Fuck this movie! What tension? The minute the bells ring, the very next scene is a smash cut to the zombies coming. Oh. If they're trying to do that, they don't even pull that off. God. <clears throat> okay. So, potential good idea number three. When the garbage man, who is in fact in that one scene and never comes back, ever... Nothing to do with the Texas guy. Nothing to do with the ending climax when they're sucked back into the TV set. Just never comes back. One and done. Yeah. Okay. So, so the garbage man. Side fucking rant. This character appears in the TV and explain, explains to Jeff Blair how to fight the zombies and how to protect them, the TV, so that nothing else can get out. He has solid information. What we don't know is, is he, in fact, a human that got pulled into the TV? Is he, in fact, the only person from video world not trying to cross over and destroy real world? Is there a third option that I don't even fucking have an explanation for? Like, there are so many things that could be really cool with that character. There's, he's killing zombies and monsters and obviously doing it when the screen isn't on because he kind of stumbles into shot. So he was obviously tracking Miro's character for a while. So there's some things going on here, right? He never comes back. We never see him again. He is literally just explanation ex mahina. <laughs> and gone. Like, can we get him his movie, please? Could we maybe have Jeff at some point realize he needs more information and flip with a novel, no, 
It's on the TV and trying to tune it in going, you know, garbage man, garbage man, garbage man. Can you hear me? I need to talk to you for a minute. Like fucking anything. God damn it. Again, a opportunity to utilize an additional premise completely fucking wasted. Just pissed away for nothing. I'm sorry. Please continue. So potential decent movie out of a character that we see again once and if we're being fair i kind of wouldn't mind like the woman seems like a central figure even though again one scene we see her luring jeff to the tv in the attic to pick it up yeah and she knows what's going on she knows how to attract people and the the texan later on mentions that when you're trying to get rid of the tv the TV will just do things to you. It convinces you of things. So maybe she's like the sentience of the TV, except that she gets killed and then the TV still functions. So obviously that's not the case. Like, fuck this movie. There's a lot of wasted potential. I'm just saying. This However, movie is nothing but wasted potential. <laughs> However, what I thought was really interesting is when the garbage man is describing how to keep the zombies from getting out again or more kind of they he describes that they need to take the tv to the basement they need to lock it in a room away from things and they need to duct tape or set a mirror against the flat of the television screen so that nothing can come out now we find out later that that's because the zombies don't necessarily like to look at themselves and it reminds them that they're not, you know, alive, they're not human, blah, blah, blah. So that's why they can't stand the sight of their own reflection. What I thought they were going with is that because the TV is a portal to this plane of existence, by taping a mirror to the side of the TV, to the, to the screen side, it was basically causing a recursive loop in on itself. So the zombies essentially would still try to get out, but eventually would just be crawling in back into their world because they're seeing a mere reflection of our world and not of sorry, a mere reflection of their world and not ours. I mean, there's a million <laughs> different things you could have done useful here. You could have done that. You could have gone with the, you know, from the, the other side of the glass trope. And that's mm -hmm. the reason why a mirror holds them on the other side of the glass, you know, mm -hmm. the inside of a TV. There's a dozen things you could have done here. Did they do any of them? <laughs> of course not. So how was the acting? Were the performances at least passable or decent if the premise and the setup and everything was not? I, I, I have a question. I actually, I, I, I have a statement. Um, your question is, in fact, a trick question. How was the act? It's a trick question. There was no acting! There was barely actors! Your three main characters, your three motherfuckers that are in the end, the, the, the last, the third act of the movie, your entire third act centers around three characters, which between the three of them have a total of four singular TV episodes attributed to them after this film. You have three actors that collectively made it on TV three, four fucking times and never even made it as a fucking extra in a movie ever again. There is no acting. There is no actors. There is nothing. There's nothing here. 
There's no reason to watch it. Fuck. No, Adam, please don't hold back. Tell us how you really feel. So I want no every any... existing copy of this movie hunted down and lit on fire. There is no emoting. The most emoting we get out of a character is when Zoe is thinking she's pinned in her house and is sitting on the kitchen floor with a butcher knife crying. Literally the most emotion we get out of anybody. All and of I, the and actors... I say again, it's, she's not crying because there's zombies outside. The actress is crying because she realizes she's in this fucking film. That's it. I, 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 uh, I refuse to ascribe anything more to this than that. <laughs> um, all of the actors are there, except for the Texas guy, all of them are supposed to be teenagers. 16, 17, 18, maybe early 20s if you really want to push it. And they're all played, except for discount Michael J. Fox, they're all played by actresses that look like they've just crested 33, for God's sakes. Yeah, it's really bad. Really bad. Like, Saved by the Bell made this a trope, and I'm pretty sure this damn movie outdid itself. I mean, it's a common thing in horror. Look at the first Friday the 13th movie, for example, and remember that all of the actors and actresses in that movie were supposed to be camp counselors, which means they were between 16 and 19, and none of them were. I mean, it's not new. It's not original. It's just normally not quite this egregious. Or at least you're scaling high to get someone who can fucking act so that your scenes work better, so you're not sitting there going, why is this 30-year-old woman still in high school? And why does it look like she can't emote her way out of a white paper sack? Um, fuck this movie. <laughs> so, okay, actors leave considerable amounts to be desired. Are the sets any engaging? Well, there's only two no there's three of them i'll give there's... you i'll give you four set locations you have house number one house number two mm-hmm. shack woods, woods. Mm-hmm. shack and woods technically two different sets they weren't necessarily next to each other uh they didn't necessarily interact so you have four different filming locations and i mean house number one you have three rooms that are filmed in but two of them only once and more accidentally than anything else it's yeah Like, to call this movie a bottle film would not be inaccurate, and although it may be offensive to bottles. (laughs) God. The answer is is no. The sets are... I mean, they look like you would expect, at least for the house locations. It looks like you're staring at a 1980s-era cul-de-sac, at least. Uh, There's nothing special or creepy about the woods. There's nothing dolled up about them. There's no atmosphere. The shack looks like it was thrown together for $30 from Lowe's. The scene where the zombie bride is coming in with the chainsaw. Because that's a smart idea. Go into a flimsy wood shack where the door doesn't even lock while a zombie coming after you who clearly wants to kill you is holding a chainsaw, which has no history of being able to deal with wood. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you would expect that chainsaws wouldn't be useful against wood. It seems like that should be the thing to do. But he found his girlfriend was dead right before he died, so, I mean... <laughs> what, 
what else did you need that scene for? Oh, the whole reason I went out here. She's currently an open stomach buffet. At the very least, and again, this is not exactly a high bar to clear, the story itself is an ABC narrative. It, you know, it has points, it has plot beats. Someone at some point had taken a writing course at least once when they were putting this together. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure once is all we got. I, whatever. And they might have dropped out. <laughs> we there, was don't know. there was definitely some creative writing 101-ism going on. I mean, I'm not saying that this is all the writer ever did. I'm not saying that they didn't go beyond creative writing 101. I'm just saying that there was a bunch of things that were very, very textbooky in the delivery of this film. Yeah, no, that's 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 completely totally fair. And makeup and zombie effects. If it's a zombie flick, do these zombies at least look good? Are they at least done well? Is the makeup done properly? No. No, no. it was terrible. I mean, the makeup effects were just terrible. If there was any other place besides cocaine that the budget was going to go in a zombie movie, you would expect it to be the fucking zombies. And yet, couldn't even do that. Nope. We're asking way, way too damn much. We could probably uh, belabor the point, but we probably there, there's shouldn't. There's no point in going on. It's just... It's... <laughs> like this movie? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody should like this movie. And the 165 people that did like this movie need to be drug out into the street and shot. Nobody. Nobody should like this movie. If I ever meet someone... If I ever meet someone who looks me dead in the face... in there isn't even an ironic liking of the movie, like for no, the campiness, for the cheesiness. There's nothing. I like bad movies. There is nothing in this that I could even like ironically. It's just bad. <laughs> it's not for any B movie fans are not going to like this because there's not enough B movie. Cheesy, campy, you know, 80s based Flicks enjoyers are not going to like this because there's nothing enough. There's not enough 80s. There's not enough cheese. There's not enough camp. Yeah, there's not enough retro <clears throat> 80s seen in this movie to enjoy it from an 80s perspective. There's not. Which saved it from being completely insufferable. <laughs> right? Like 30 years on later, you're seeing a bunch of these really bad direct to VHS movies that have so much ubiquitous 80s in them that they're fun to watch for the retro love, right? Not even. Not this one. Not a bit. Not at all. No. It's just no. There's nothing. Nothing. At any point that I can point to that I actually fucking enjoyed about this movie. Like, there's one or two scenes where I go, oh, well, that's an interesting premise. That's an interesting concept. Hey, there's something scrolled on top of the TV. Can we get a better shot at the... Nope! No, you're not allowed. No idea what it is. Fuck it. No. Why, why would you want to... Why... Fuck this movie. Uh, the only compliments we can give are the potential ideas that could have been for better movies than what we got. So with that being said, let's get into rating this thing. Okay. Am I going to have to do the intro for the DWTF meter? No, I'll do the intro for the DWTF meter. <laughs> At DWTF, we use a rather unique scoring system that we lovingly refer to as don't watch this fucking movie, Ometer. On the DWTF Ometer, every film scores a one because let's face it, especially this week, you shouldn't watch these films. The more important thing is one out of what? A one out of one is a lost classic, which this movie fucking ain't. And everybody needs to see it immediately. 
one out of two is a great movie that is flawed in some way, all the way down to a one out of ten, and I think you know where we're <laughs> headed. Tia, would you like to go first, which to any audience member who paid attention is probably second, or would you like to go second, which to everyone who paid attention would probably still be second? I'm going to go ahead and go first, but honestly, does it really matter? Because I'm pretty sure we know what you think about this movie already. My 1 out of 10 feature, the first one that I ever could concretely say was 1 out of 10, was our episode on Bunny Man. That was the first 1 out of 10 movie that I knew for a fact was going to be a 1 out of 10 movie even before I was done watching the damn thing. That is the baseline by which I compare my 1 out of 10 films to. Is Video Dead... Bunny Man level bad, in my opinion. And I actually did some thinking about this because I knew that my co-host didn't have to. I have to grade on the movie we got, not the potential movies that were. I say this all the time. The movie is awful. The movie is unwatchable. The movie will not keep your attention for five out of its 90-minute runtime. Is it Bunny Man levels of bad? Because there was, at bare-ass minimums, a cohesive ABC plot, which Bunny Man did not fucking have, I'm giving this a 1 out of 9. It is not 1 out of 10 material, but it is scraping by on so many fucking technicalities. Are you done? Adam, what did you think of the movie? Alright, so there is one movie that I always use as my benchmark for a 1 out of 10, and that is Cannibal Holocaust. Please... For the love of all that is holy, audience, do not even look up the movie. Don't go watch it. It is the baseline for it's literally illegal to make this movie this way today. And the making of that movie was the precedent that made making a movie that way illegal today. Like, it literally was so bad. There was legislature set up internationally to make sure that no movie could be that fucking bad again. That being said, The Video Dead is not Cannibal Holocaust bad. It is, however, an atrocity to film. It has no right existing. The $80,000 spent making this movie should have been utilized by the director, writer, producers, people involved in this filmmaking in learning how to make a fucking movie that's entertaining. Because I can tell you, they spent $80,000 and did not accomplish that. As Tia has said many times, the greatest sin in filmmaking is being boring. This movie goes beyond boring and fucking dares you to turn it off. Literally, in this film, part of the running storyline of the film is turning off the TV and walking away. That's a fucking meta suggestion. That's a fucking cry for help. This movie is beyond terrible. It is offensive to cinema. It, it is offensive to filmmaking. I generally, and you have heard me say it before, I generally don't try to discredit actors, actresses, writers, directors, producers, because so much goes into making a movie, it is so much work, it is such a crawl, such a grind to try to put together 90 minutes of entertainment that the average person will never know 
how much work goes into it and never appreciate how much goes into trying to make a movie. Mm -hmm. I can tell you for a fucking fact, this is the exception to the rule. This movie should not have been made. There is nothing beneficial in this film. It fucking needs to die. Amazon needs to pull it off the list. Do not watch this film. One out of ten because our list doesn't go farther. That is it. Ladies and gentlemen, either or neithers, good fucking night. We're done with the video dead. I have watched this movie twice, and as I've already said, that is six times more than anyone should ever watch this movie. I, I Don't send me questions about it to wtfmailbag at gmail.com. I will delete them. I don't care. This movie is bad. It should feel bad. It is... This is cinematic gonorrhea. There's absolutely nothing, nothing whatsoever that is recoverable in this film. It's done. The thing that I feel worst about is we now have to attach Patreon shoutouts to this fucking movie. We have to thank people for giving us money to make something about this fucking movie. If nothing else, thank you for supporting us to do a PSA about never watching this fucking film because it's not worth watching. And those names for this week would, of course, be Adrian Sandu and Ali Alcatraz. I am sorry that your names are attached to this. I promise next month I'll put you on something better. Because, I mean, that's a bar that you can't even fucking trip over. You could maybe slip over it because it's like a fucking sheet of paper on the fucking ground. But there is nothing fucking useful in any way about this film. This rant that you've gotten right now for six minutes... Is the most six fucking entertaining minutes that you can get in this film, and it's not in this film. That's it. It's done. Oh, oh my abs. If you don't have the ability to support us on Patreon, that's perfectly okay. We understand. We have a very active Twitter at Don't Watch This. Episode. Oh, and it's going to be fucking more active today. I can fucking guarantee it. <laughs> we post when new episodes are going up. We post our patron polls to let our patrons uh, vote on what movie they want to see us subject ourselves to in the following month. We talk about what's new and what's going on in the world of horror media. So if you don't have a dollar to spare, but you do have a social media presence, please feel free to engage with us. A like, a comment, a retweet. Anything gets more ears on the podcast. <laughs> And we greatly appreciate it, although we apologize in advance. <laughs> More ears are going to be turned on this particular film. <laughs> I have to just go giggle some fuck, more. Fuck, fuck this fucking movie. <laughs> just, just fuck this film. Oh, God, I really hurt my abs. Jesus, okay. All right, so that is it for... that. That is it for the video dead. The odds of you hearing this movie mentioned again in anything other than a disparaging manner are very low. I mean, I, I really, really hope that at no point I ever hear anybody defend this film because I I will flip the fuck out. God. Oh, God. So next on the docket to, to somewhat maybe wash the taste out of this piece of crap out of our mouths. Uh, is 
a Canadian American horror film, apparently. Well, uh, there's a good number of Canadian films. I mean, you know, Astro Six are all Canadian producers. There's a, there's a lot of good things coming out of Canada the last twenty-ish years, so that doesn't entirely surprise me. Oh, this one is based off the novel The Visitor by Chauncey G. Parker III, which I have not read. Good writer, good writer. Look it up. Mm. Nice. So that is what we will be tackling next week. After Adam gets some therapy for the PTSD, he's no doubt developed over the course of this episode. I mean, there are good zombie movies. There are bad zombie movies. There's a million zombie movies in between. All I'm going to tell you is this one doesn't even get to count as a bad zombie movie. There aren't zombies through most of the movie. There are five zombies in the movie. It's it's just, just, just fuck this film. Do not watch this film. This is the movie that we named the podcast for, apparently. Don't watch this film. Fuck this film. <laughs> oh, God. So... <clears throat> If you guys have made it this far, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for listening. We absolutely do appreciate it. He's been W. Adam Clark. I mean, maybe what? I have. I don't even fucking know anymore. Just don't watch this film. <laughs> Until you hear from us again, don't, don't, just, just, just see it says bye. Don't watch this film. Everybody.